listening to Long Gospel on this Monday, June the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're taking a look at lessons for the second Sunday after Pentecost. That's June the 19th, 2022. Now, I'll tell you, all of us have a favorite Bible verse. We may also have a favorite Bible chapter. And then some of us have a favorite Bible book. Now, in my situation, dealing with law and gospel, I believe the best book to read to understand the difference between the two is the book of Galatians. And it just so happens that on this Sunday, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 23. So when you first read it, you get confused. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. What does that mean? How are we imprisoned? Well, let's take a very simple example. You have the birth of a son, and he begins to grow up in your house. What is your main task? Your main task is to get him to behave as a proper member of the house. Now, he may love you, but his love may not extend to the point where he is more than willing to serve you. How many times as he's growing up, does he rebel against what you are asking? And so how do you stifle that rebellion? You use the law. I recall times I'd be playing baseball and I get home late for supper and I would be punished by not being allowed to see television that night. So there were consequences to my disobedience. Now, as I grew older and went to college and then got married, I had quite a different relationship with my mother and father. I would look forward to coming home to them. And if they would ask me to do something because of that relationship where I saw how much they had loved me while I was a child, I did not have to be captive under the law. For example, I'd be at home and normally when I went out on a trip or a date or something, mom and dad, when I was a kid, would say, well, you'd be home by 11. 
Well, after I got married and Louise and I would go to a show or out to a restaurant, there was no law there where mom or dad said, you make sure you're home by 11. No, we could be home at 12 or one, out with partying with our friends because we were now living under faith. What does faith mean? Faith means we trust our parents and we trust them to such a level that we are wanting to serve them. See, this is what Christianity is all about. Before that faith came, and we'll tell you in a few minutes how it came, we were held captive under the law. We were kind of imprisoned, having to obey the commandments properly until the coming faith would be revealed. Now, why is that important? Well, what do parents do when they get a newborn child and he's going to be living in their house? They make the house child safety. They may go to the electrical outlets and put something in them so he would not put his fingers in them. They would maybe close off the ability to walk down the basement so he would not fall. Uh, For example, I remember I was coming up the basement stairs and my daughter, Catherine, was walking and she was coming down the stairs but they became so tight that she lost her balance and fell through the opening in the stairs. There was a handrail, but it was high enough so she could fall through, and she did. And by God's blessings, there were items on the floor to obstruct her fall and she was not hurt. Well, guess what I did? I went to a place which we called Central Hardware, and I bought some eight by fours, and I nailed them up against the handrail. So now it was impossible to fall through the handrail and the stair because they were blocking. See, That was a way in which somebody is held captive by having to obey what the parent says. So in a sense, verse 24 really makes sense. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Uh, To put that into a family kind of relationship, the rules in the household were to guard us from danger and also to have us obey our parents. 
until our faith in our parents grew to a point where we were more than happy to obey what they desired. This is what Christianity is all about. We're born and we're in the guardian of being under the law until we are justified by faith. Verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So when I visited my parents with my wife and then children, there were no rules there that I had to follow that they imposed because we really loved them We had faith in them, and there was no need for a guardian. Now, there was still a need for a guardian for our children who were in the house, but not for us as adults. So, how do we get that faith? Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. You see, when I was a kid, I did not really recognize that relationship. I did not really treat my parents as their son. I didn't do anything really bad, but there were occasions when I would lie to them. For example, my dad had a 57 Mercury. So we're talking about how different we act when we have faith toward our parents. Because before that, I would, as I was saying, not telling my parents the truth about certain things. For example, I remember I liked using my dad's 57 Mercury to drive it. And I said, well, I'm going to the dance at the high school and then come home. Well, what I did, I went a few blocks, stopped the car, and I unhooked the mechanism that tells how many miles you go. And so my dad would always check when I got home how many miles I went. And when I went, we had a new highway out in our city, and it was being built, but it wasn't finished, but you could still get on it. And what we did, a bunch of us guys, we went out there and drag raced. We had races with our cars. We never had an accident or anything, but we put some miles on the car. I would return home, stop for gas as to how much I think I might have used, and then change the odometer so it looked like I had only gone about 10 miles. 
Now, I don't do that anymore because I'm in a faith relationship with my parents. And even though both of them have fallen asleep in Jesus and are in heaven, before they did so, I really enjoyed going home, talking with them, being with them, and so forth. So, in a sense, through this belief I had in how they had taken care of me, I was now truly their son. And how does that happen to you? Verse 27 of Galatians 3. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, you got to remember that Paul, in writing to the Galatians, is also dealing with Gentiles. So he makes this point. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, is he saying there's no longer any gender differences between a male and a female, or a Jew or a Greek, or people cannot be slaves? No. He's saying, even in this situation, if you're a Jew, Or if you're a Greek, if you're a slave, or if you are free, or if you are male, or if you are female, there's no longer a distinction. Because any of you can call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to speak to God the Father. In fact, remember the prayer that Jesus gave us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. So, when you are baptized, you receive two gifts, uh, according to the Pentecost sermon in Acts 2. Number one, you receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. Now notice, that is given to you not because you merited it. No, you inherited it. A huge, long gospel difference. It's a gift. It's not something you earned. And it certainly isn't something you deserve. This is why so many people hate Christianity because it gives salvation to those who don't deserve it. Verse 29, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Now remember what God did with Abraham? 
he promised him that through Isaac, the whole nations of the earth would be blessed because through Isaac would come the Christ being incarnated for the purpose of being able to die on the cross for your sins. That was a promise given to Abraham. And therefore, you are Abraham's offspring. Take a look at Romans 8, 9, and 10 to learn that there are two kinds of individuals related to Abraham. There are those who think they're related because they can trace their lineage back to Abraham. They may not be saved. But those who are saved are those who believe the promises given to Abraham and to Isaac. And through faith in those promises, they have a recognition of God that he truly is their father. Now, Paul goes on in chapter 4, verse 1 of Galatians. I mean that the heir as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Now, how can that be? That in families in those days, you had slaves and then you had children. But the children were no different than the slave. Why? Verse 2 explains it. But he is under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. So here once more, a child sometimes needs a guardian. He just can't go wandering off on the farm where there may be beasts that not only attack the sheep, but also attack human beings. So he is under guardian. Verse 3, in the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved by the elementary principles of the world. What does that mean? Well, the elementary principles are the way God set up the universe. If you obey his teachings the teachings of wisdom of Jesus Christ, then you will have positive consequences. If you disobey his teachings, you will have negative consequences. Take a look at the world today where many people no longer follow the ethics as found in the Bible. And what is happening to them Well, guess what? They are having all kinds of problems. A divorce, suicide, breakups. So, just as we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world and guarded by guardians and our parents, so also were the slaves. 
verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, that means when God was ready, he sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. How is Jesus under the law? Well, did you notice he followed the laws of the Old Testament and even the ceremonial laws? And he did that in order to become a perfect human being, but without sin. So that when he died on the cross, he was not dying for his own sin. No, he was dying for ours. So he redeemed us so that we might receive. Now, how do we become sons? That we might receive becoming a son by our obedience? No, that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, if you talk to parents who have adopted a child and you ask them, what kind of child was he or she before you adopted? They may not know. I went through an adoption recently helping parents, and they received a child from Russia. They really did not have much information at all about his attitude. But he was under their principles. And so they used the principles of the law to bring him into a right relationship with them as parents. That was wonderful. So in this situation, he soon realized his adoption and trusts his parents. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, the term Abba is an Aramaic word. And it is a word that little children would use to refer to their father, much like we use the word Daddy. Now, there are times, of course, when it is more formally used. But the fact of the matter is that God is our Abba. It's like a child coming to the front door when their dad comes home. The child doesn't cry out, Oh, Father, you are home. Can I get you your slippers? No, they usually say, Daddy, Daddy, you're home. Come and play with me. There's a much more informal relationship. And therefore, God has sent the Spirit of His Son, that's the Holy Spirit, into your hearts, where you cry out, Abba, Father. By the way, you do that every time you do the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. And a number of scholars believe that Jesus used the word Abba there. 
not the Greek word pater, for father. So how does Paul kind of conclude this section? So you are no longer a slave, but a son. Now, what does that mean? Well, as a son, you are going to have a privilege that a slave does not have. And Paul tells you what that privilege is in verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What does that mean? You inherit, like all heirs do, what God has promised in his last will and testament that occurred at the giving of the Lord's Supper. So that's why this is very, very important, that you go from child under the elements of the law to the gospel. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Law and Gospel. Tomorrow we're going to be taking a look at the hymn, Rise, Shine, You People. Until then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.